In this week's episode of The Carolina Line, of course, we're talking Kyle versus Cam. Who you got? We'll be talking about this vaunted San Francisco 49er defense, that front four, all those first-round picks, and who needs to wear their big boy pads like our guy Mike Minner. Hmm. Big boy pads. Sometimes these guys needed to have small boy pads on. Little boy pads, they had to lose some weight. (laughs) We got some good stuff for you this week on the Carolina Line podcast. Yeah, find out which Panther got fined every single week. I am Kelly Bardick here with Kevin Donnelly and Al Wallace, former offense and defensive linemen in the NFL 20 three years of line experience make sure to rate us like us subscribe apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are sold the carolina line check it out that's fantastic rockefeller you know what this is we're giving y'all five seconds to put your drink down and report to the dance floor immediately all the buses, we giving y'all five seconds to get close to an exit. It's about to get real ugly in here. Five seconds is up. Let's go. Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates. It is what it is. The Roaring Riot Podcast, Not What You Think, and the Carolina Line. For more great talk about your favorite team, follow the Riot Network on Twitter, at the Riot Network, to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, and love us wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and spent the bye week relaxing on, where else? His deck. Based on local travel and traffic, is there a better defensive coordinator in the city of Charlotte than the city planners? No one stops the run or stops movement off the line better than our city planners. Kudos to you guys. That makes me want to just like vote for you for everything because you. I'll you just, fix it you if they tell things. me what position I need to I need to be in. I will, I will work. I, I make this pledge things. to you right now because it is awful. And somebody's cashing checks. It ain't me. And it's I, not me. So it might right as well now. be me. And look, we put you boys on the same side today. Yeah. That's fun. I didn't even talk before I was introduced like a gentleman. Yeah, you did anyway. Josh you went to, London and, you went to uh, London and got some class? That's right. <laughs> Show did. Chaps. No, that wasn't oh. good. I'll, I'll Let me try it again. <clears throat> Hang on. Edit point right here. I don't edit the show. Hello. Is that better? Is that better? Sure. We will call that better. Uh, That is sort of Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, spent his bye week, and you ready for this? Myrtle Beach eating seafood buffet. That's right, baby. Only the classiest of vacations for me on the bye week. Multiple buffets, not just like one. I actually only did one buffet, but I did multiple trips through. Does that count? How long were you there? Uh, so I was. I, it was about two hours, a solid two. Um, I am not afraid to say that I did a uh, a timeshare presentation that I may regret, uh, may have regretted. I, I certainly regret telling you. So just judge on, judge on your face at, that you made. Um, I'm just glad that we now can say we know someone that accepted that offer. <laughs> Well, it was for two free seafood buffets and two free tickets to Legends in Concert. So, I mean, come on. Garth Brooks was there. The Blues Brothers. What is the retail value? Whitney Houston was there. R.I.P. 
Retail value, $47? It was certainly not worth our time. So uh, we may have made a mistake. We may have regretted it. This is actually a big moment for a relationship, though. You you guys go to the buffet together. I don't think my wife and I need to go near a buffet together. Why not? not? J- I don't know. Like, I feel a certain Are you afraid of- you're going to, like, fight each other? On the no, way no, no. I think she's going to realize what she's in for. Oh, no. Because um, <laughs> I-, I tend to go to buffets solo. I'm just going to say that. What? Yes. That sounds. Like I the... want to eat and whatever I want to eat in total peace and not to be judged. So you're like table for one at Prime Steakhouse. Does that still exist? Prime sure. Steakhouse. Sure. Well, I don't go a lot, but that this is it's because I've, there's a sh- an amount of shame that I feel with eating as mm. much as I do at a buffet, particularly if there's a chocolate wonderfall involved. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, you are probably like the least person that anyone's looking at at a buffet. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. just going to throw that out there because yeah. I. I've seen some other people at buffets that do some damage, like, like serious, serious damage. Whether we're at a wedding or whatever, like I can't come to the to to the table with my plate piled like that. There's some. Well, that's I the can't. beauty of a buffet. You I don't know. Have to pile that plate, baby. You just do. You make a regular size plate, and then you just keep on stacking plates, 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 plates. Plates on plates on plates. Plates on plates on plates. You have to act like Leonard Fournette, not I, like Christian McCaffrey. You want to just keep body blowing that buffet until eventually. It's empty. So, so, I, so I when lost, you go, I lost the metaphor there. <laughs> I just, I just, uh, uh, you know, shocking, but I have, I have a fair amount of shame associated with. No, this, so. hey, I don't blame you. The, there I is CC solo as well. Oh baby, I love CCs solo or with the group. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been there in forever, but Me either. I have such so many fond memories. I feel like one of us is not telling the truth. <laughs> I feel like though you need to have someone with you at a buffet so you can be like. Man, did you have these potatoes? Mm, good call. You good know? call. You should get some of these. I don't or believe do you I'm... you tell strangers that? Are you no, tapping the guy no, next I don't to you ta- like, No, hey. there's no eye contact. I have buffet shame. But I don't believe I'm the only one. <laughs> My wife does it Peg Bundy style and literally like goes for the crab legs and the crab legs only. Like She does not waste her... <laughs> well, I'm not wasting room on potatoes or rolls. That's how they get you. That is she how just, they get crab you. Crab legs, crab legs, crab legs, crab legs. Meanwhile, I'm like, did you taste these... Uh, <laughs> You taste these Brussels sprouts? He's like, your Brussels sprouts are for chumps. Here for the she king crab. She doesn't Here listen. For the she, crab. she cut out after the theme music, so it's fine. Your beautiful re- wife, And Renee. then I get an ice cream cone to go. To go? Are you yeah. allowed to do that? I feel like that's breaking the I mean, buffet I'm, rules. I'm eating it as I leave, so it's like, what are they going to do? I'm, they're not going to like rip it out of my hands. Knock it out of your hand when you yeah. walk outside. <laughs> no cones. That, that would be awesome. Oh, we should introduce our guest because... Oh, yeah. Poor guy. He's just sitting over here like, can I talk yet? On the one-day contract this week, Al Wallace, 10-year NFL vet and former Carolina Panther, co-host of the Carolina Line, a podcast available right here on the Riot Network, and spent his bye week circling Charlotte Airport, then busing home from Greensboro. Long story. What? Long trip. Uh, flying with Charlotte football. Was rough getting back from Bowling Green, Kentucky. <sighs> Found out today that we thought it was, um, you know, inclement weather and we couldn't see the runway. We had to kind of make an emergency uh, exit out of there. Uh, found out the pilot actually missed the landing. So <gasps> What? Yeah, he overshot the landing. He was cleared to get in there, overshot the landing. I don't know where we were going to land, but it was not on the runway. Uh, and then we had to divert to Greensboro Airport to get more gas because it took so much fuel for him to 
punch us out of Concord in the airspace. So pretty scary moment to learn that I survived. We're here. That's uh, thank the Lord. But yeah, that's that's terrifying oh, to think about. So needless to say that I'm going to be checking that cockpit the next time I get back <laughs> on the plane. I'm going to be watching to see if that guy's up there. Not For doing like it. empty mini bottles on the ground <laughs> or whatever. Something. Excuse me. Can you fill out this uh, 10 page questionnaire before yeah. we take off? Man. I need to know all the things. I need to know. I want to know Al's strategy at a buffet. Like, well, are you a buffet guy? Uh, I will do a buffet. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I know the traps. I'm not going to get full off all the sweet, buttery, shiny mm-hmm. rolls that are there. They're going to mm-hmm. fill they're you so up with good, that. Though. And they're going to, you know, I'm a protein guy. So I, I'm not a, a as big of an eater as you would think, but I'm a strategic eater, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to eat to fuel my body with the right things i want to look good and be muscular and all those types of things uh so yeah i love buffets though so i'm gonna i'm allergic to shellfish mm. so oh. okay. no crab legs for me yeah. i'm gonna skip that part of it but i you know i like all the you know the chicken and the different things i can get wings i'm a huge wing fan of uh, chicken wings so i'm gonna find all that stuff and then the desserts there's always the little tiny desserts that you can get bring four or five of them back mm-hmm. to the table and just just dominate the desserts at the end yeah those two or three trip like the the backup trip to the buff to the dessert buffet yeah. where you're like all right finished off my first yeah. plate of desserts i'm going back Mini that's when i usually cakes, get a look little key lime pie squares those types of things i, Ooh, I love yeah. those. yeah i like the lemon squares yeah i feel like those are one of those things i should probably learn how to make because i love them oh my god they're so they're really underrated dessert i'm surprised that you and renee have not been like making those at home that seems like something you guys would make she just made some fudge and um oh oh boy howdy it is dangerous to have in the house (laughs) because you don't just make like a little bit because when you buy fudge it's like you buy a little this is good for an audio medium right you buy like a little like two ounce portion but when you make fudge you make like a freaking pan of it and it's just like, yeah, I'm going to take it to work like next week. Just don't eat all of it. And it's like, don't what? And then she just leaves for work. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> is it just like regular fudge or is it peanut butter fudge? It's or? just regular. She's experimenting this time. She's going to put some sea salt on it next time uh, for oh, the next I batch. I would like to put in an order for. Roger that. Sounds we'll talk good. afterwards. We'll talk off mic. Thank you. Um, super important question time with Halloween coming up. Oh, boy. Don't be scared yet. Um, I need to know upcoming Halloween plans, whether it's family-oriented, costume-oriented, candy-oriented. What What's on the agenda for everyone? Well, I have a question since you guys are here. Um, my, my son is going to be Batman, so a little, okay. little four-year-old Batman. Um, am I required to be Robin? Yes. <laughs> or Catwoman. I mean... <laughs> and like if you want to jump into the zeitgeist, you could be the Joker, but there like you, you don't you don't want to be like the scary Joker, yes. like terrifying your small child. No, right? that's 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 what we're going the exact opposite of what we're going for here. Yeah, well, I think the adults would be more terrified. I don't think children have seen the Joker. Well, but I mean, the if new he, Joker. If he dresses like if he tr- attempts to be scary, I don't know. I feel like you want to be somewhere in the. You could be Superman, maybe. Like a Batman beast. I, I feel like I can pull that off easier than Robin. Yeah, well, it's certainly easier. <laughs> it's, yeah, obviously you're very you're a Superman type. You got the Superman body type. It's an easy costume though. You wear the white the white collar the white button up shirt with the Superman T shirt underneath it, and then just there don't button go. it up, and then you just kind of like uh, just casually let it hang, let it hang let it out. Hang. Maybe the glasses on for Clark Kent. Easy peasy. I think that's the route I need to go. 
I still vote for Robin. <laughs> you just because I'm bigger than actual Robin. That's why it's even funnier. It's like 1.5 Robin yeah. plus a 0.5 Batman. Yeah, it's extra funny. <laughs> it would be funny. The though. pictures would be amazing. <laughs> we'll see about it. Okay. Maybe you could dress up as like the Batmobile. Is that weird? Is that I don't okay I don't, I don't right. know I'm, you yeah. know what there's no bad ideas in a brainstorm so I don't that's I don't appreciate true. the judgment that that's I'm true is so. Becky dressing up uh, as as a beautiful uh, mother <laughs> and and wife oh as a very patient mother <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's probably a better description understanding. <laughs> yeah. just a name tag that says understanding yeah. on it <laughs> yeah, yes Robin is mine <laughs> <laughs> Josh um, what do you have going on so my wife really so after we went to see legends in concert my wife googled uh full elvis presley costumes and she wants both of us to dress up as elvis i don't think that's going to happen because um we're very old and lame so we probably won't do anything for halloween but it's fun to talk about our other idea is she's going to wear a beekeeper costume bernie our dog will dress like a bee and then i'll dress like a flower does that sound like a good? I mean, that's a fun. That's a fun. I like that one. That's a fun picture at the very least. And then do that. we'll get like one trick or treater, and then I'll eat a lot of candy because I'll buy because that's a key. That's a good move. I'm sure you do this too. You buy like buy three. Yeah, buy like three, four bags of like Kit Kats, Reese's, the good ones, the ones that you like, and then no one comes to trick or treat, and you're like, well, I guess I got to eat all these. Yeah, my wife last year bought candy like on October 10th. <laughs> never makes it to the never made it <laughs> this year we did not have candy on october 10th no. what about at the wallace household uh, i have little ones so uh, i have a, a three-year-old just turned three on the 18th so last friday and uh he's in a superhero phase so i think we're gonna all go as the avengers so oh, that's fun oh, he's uh that. he's Wait. a huge spider-man <laughs> fan uh, so he's gonna I'll probably do Spider Man. Yeah, I'm no, I'm a Hulk guy. I've been yeah. a Hulk fan for a very long time, and uh, I don't know. I think my wife, you know, Captain Marvel, maybe. So mm, we'll see. Yeah, and we have a five year old daughter as well, and we're trying to be creative with uh, the little one. We have an eight month old baby, so not quite sure what we're baby gonna Groot, do. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, baby Groot, maybe. Yeah, baby Groot. Yeah, off the so, top of my yeah, head. Yeah, that that'll be what fun. Was the raccoon? The, yeah, uh, yeah. A rocket, yeah, Rocky, a rocket, 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 yeah. So we're gonna do something pretty cool. My wife is a huge uh, Halloween fan. I th- actually, for our um, engagement party, uh, we got engaged probably in the summer. Had an engagement party like around this time a few years back. We've been married six years now. We had a costume party. It was in ha- nice. Halloween, so that's fun. She loves dressing up. She actually went to a party this Saturday, and I have no idea the character. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I might mess it up, but I think it's her name is like Regina's mom from Mean Girls or yes. something. So <laughs> yes. The, Nikki the just pink, lit up. Nikki, yeah. yeah, Nikki's so excited. <laughs> the pink sweatsuit and the blonde wig. With and the she's camera? carrying the camera around. So, I'm not a regular mom. Yeah, I'm a cool, cool mom. <laughs> I had no I didn't know what she was talking about. I, I was I like, don't what either. is going on? I respect but, anyone that comes up with mean girls costumes because <laughs> that is one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. That I like I do like costumes from things that came out like 20 years like 15 or 20 years ago where you kind of have to explain them but if you don't somebody's gonna get really excited like yeah. if nikki had seen your wife she would have been like oh yeah. my god yeah. regina's mom yeah that would have been crazy so a history with all this dressing up and it was actually at that uh, engagement party i went it's probably my first time really dressing up you know got engaged and i 
kind of reluctant. And my wife convinced me to do it. I went as grandma and ma. So oh, that's awesome. Was, oh. Had this dress on, 6'5", 275. Amazing. Dress on, yeah. Love to see some Basketball, pictures of that. Maybe put and, that on Twitter. Uh, for... I think Scott and the guys from, um, what is their group called? Buzz City? Or... Uh, Bring Back the Bring Buzz. Back Bring the Back buzz. the Buzz, yeah. yeah. I actually, they just had some online contest, and I think my wife submitted the picture. I won that. <laughs> had not amazing. met them. They didn't know who I was. Yeah. Like, yeah, I won. So it was. it's probably still out there in the Twitterverse somewhere, the picture. So yeah, we definitely uh, want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> do some quick Googling talk amongst yourselves. I here. will text yeah. Scotty and say, yeah. excuse me, I need you to send me this picture. Um, will, will you be eating Milky Ways on your deck? Isn't that your candy of choice? I have a Milky Way in my car right now. The delicious, delectable nougat and caramel. Put some crunch in your bars. Nah. It's ridiculous. Change the texture up. I agree. Got to get some crunch in there. One day he'll have more sophisticated. Some of us are just smooth. That's all. Just like smooth. <laughs> Not so much me, but other people. I was like, who are, who are these people? Smooth in this scenario. Well, if you want to hear your super important question, go to iTunes, leave a review. Put it in there, and we'll ask it on the show. I agree. Isn't it? I think it's Apple Podcasts now, but it's iTunes in our hearts, right? Oh. Maybe that's what we're doing wrong. (laughs) That's the problem. People are like, There's so many reviews on iTunes. All five stars, of course. We have confused all of our listeners. I apologize. All right. Let the fun begin. (laughs) Cam versus Kyle. Are you guys ready? Should everybody take a deep breath? Let's do it. Maybe sip of water. It's like Batman versus Superman. See, is this really this hard of a decision right now? Not I mean, right do, like, now. I mean, do, does it, does it, has Kyle Allen or could Kyle Allen have done anything during the time that he's been quarterback to make you question bringing back Cam? Well, I know not, that I, I know that there that, are people out there that will yeah. do it because we have to, have to have something to talk about. But to me, we're talking about an MVP. The, the question is whether or not Cam is okay. That's it has Kyle Allen is irrelevant in this conversation as far as I'm concerned. It is 100% is the shoulder okay is the foot okay. If the if if the answer to the both of those is yes, then Kyle Allen is not the quarterback of this team in my opinion. Yeah, we haven't done a comparison of their play. Yes, uh, Kyle Allen is is 4-0, really 5-0 as a starter. He hasn't done much to hurt this team, but if we're we're talking about talent and we're trying to match these guys up, throw for throw, run for run, I mean, body types, all that thing, what they would bring to this football team is not even close, in my opinion. I mean, the fact that we would even discuss, uh, you know, putting Cam Newton in a hat and holding a clipboard to watch Kyle Allen. And again, Kyle Allen has done exactly what he's supposed to do. He's a backup quarterback. Uh, He's been a really, really good backup quarterback. And again, he has not hurt this team outside of, you know, getting uh, sacked and stripped and putting the ball on the ground a few times a couple games ago. But it should not be a discussion. It really boils down to do you like Cam Newton the person, not the football player. It shouldn't even be a comparison. Yes, that is the problem with this entire talk is because it it has somehow become a, like a diatribe about who Cam Newton is, how you like his playing style, his wardrobe after the after the games. It's not a, somehow it has morphed from cam newton versus kyle allen who throws interceptions who throws touchdowns who runs for touchdowns who fumbles the ball all the time it's and now it has become this you have to choose a side almost like it's a weird 
time that we live in right now because that's the way that's the way that everything is. You yep. can't just be on one side. You can't just be like, well, can't they both be good? It's like, no, you have to choose whether it's Cam Newton or Kyle. You're either a Cam guy or a Kyle guy, and there is no in between. And that's a little bit that that's crazy to me. And I think that the, a lot of times you keep hearing this the four and zero and five and zero stat, but wins are not a team statistic. We've said it a few times, and I, I think this might be a shorter segment than we might than it is on a lot mm-hmm. of other shows because it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement. I mean, I it, this is a this is a backup quarterback that has come in and done exactly what you want him to do. Just like to be perfectly honest, just like Ross Cockrell has come in and done exactly what he's supposed to do. Just like Daryl Williams has come in and done exactly what he's supposed to do. Just like uh, just like. Vernon Butler has come in and done exactly what he's supposed to do. If Kwan Short was ready to come back, you would we wouldn't be having this no talk. Question. Trey Turner was out at practice today. Nobody is trying to argue for Daryl Williams to be playing right guard because they went three and zero with Daryl at right guard. So this idea that four and zero as a as a quarterback makes a difference, it's great. They also had seven turnovers. They forced seven turnovers against the Bucks and scored thirty seven points. And had eleven drives that went nine yards or less. That is not to me some sort of offensive juggernaut that you can't afford to pull off the field. When just like you said, when Cam Newton is completely healthy, this is his team. He is the quarterback, and then you let him go out there and make a mistake, and then you can have some. Then we can talk about it. But until then, until he gets back out there. I'm not ready to have this. Yeah, maybe that's the discussion. Like, if he comes back and he plays poorly or he gets injured again, now you can start talking about being injury prone and his future and those types of things. But you're not going to talk about uh, play at all. And, and I agree with you, Josh. Like, why can't we have both? Like, I love what Josh Allen has done. This team was on too. It was miserable. It makes being a Panther fan and doing work in the media, it makes it absolutely miserable. So he's done what he's su- supposed to do. But you're talking about a number one overall pick. I mean, Colin talked about it. this guy's a former MVP. You can't have a discussion like this. And, you know, it really reveals how you feel about a guy like Cam Newton because you're talking about everything else except for the play on the field. When he was healthy, beginning of last year his team was six and two he did not have the talent around him that he has now he had a budding Christian McCaffrey Uh, he had a couple young receivers Curtis Samuel just trying to find his way young DJ Moore who was putting the ball on the ground and the defense wasn't playing anywhere near what it is now uh, leading the league in sacks matter of fact they ended up 27th in the league in sacks Mm -hmm. last year so Cam did more with less And, and that's not an indictment on what Kyle Allen has been able to do but Four wins, everybody goes on a streak. It's just not happening. You're just not going to tell me that this guy is going to put Cam Newton on the sideline holding a clipboard. The interesting thing, I think, to me is less about whether – I mean, I think we all kind of agree, Mm -hmm. and we'll just kind of have this caveat, just like we said before. Like, you have to have a caveat before everything. But sometimes it's like – in the in in the sto- you have to work on this narrative in this storyline, right? It can't just be well, Cam Newton's the quarterback because that's not the way that the team has projected it. Ron Rivera has not come out and said when Cam is ready, he's a hundred percent going to start, and that would eliminate a lot of these questions if he had said that. But that would be dumb for him to say. Okay, why? Because we don't know how this team is successful. We do know that Cam's coming off of a a, a foot injury as well as a shoulder injury. The longer you can keep him on the sidelines, 
the better it is as far – particularly at this point in the season. Obviously, it, it, towards the end of the year, there would be a point where you'd want him to get some experience. You wouldn't just drop him in the playoffs. But to me, I, I don't want to say anything if I'm Rivera. I would rather keep riding Kyle Allen. I'd keep riding that success as long as possible. And rather than say, yeah, week eight, Cam's going to be back in there. Because now, week eight, you're going, well, he's 90%, but we were – you know, just – he doesn't need to answer because he doesn't know the answer that day. I mean, that's the thing. Like, this idea that you're just going to put Cam on the order for, for, for three weeks, I don't think – in three weeks, I don't think this is that type of injury where it's like in two weeks we know his, his ankle is going to be better or whatever it is. Like, this seems to be something that's, that's going to linger. We, we look back to last year, and we were asking the question, could he last the entire season? Can that shoulder still stand up for the entire season? I would love to have Cam for a shorter window this season, you know, you know at the end of the year. If we if that is a concern that they continue to have, and a lot of this, unfortunately, we do have to continue to speculate on because it is medical in nature, and that's just you know they're not gonna they don't release everything. I mean they've they've discussed this with Drew Brees, right? His arm died on him last year when you look at that team yep. down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So now being out, they're not happy about it, but they're happy Teddy Bridgewater can can kind of fill that gap. It's gonna take less throws off of Drew Brees. He's gonna come back. He'll be able to go a little further. His arm will be a little fresher, a little further. So I think that may be the same situation for Cam. You know, the last couple weeks I've been struggling with uh, finding myself saying it was a team chemistry issue and that, uh, you know, Kyle Allen was good for the team chemistry and no one one wanted to rock the boat. But I think in saying that, that's almost saying that Cam Newton being around is not good for the team. Now, I think it's a confidence thing. I, I would not want Cam Newton on the sideline over my shoulder uh, with him, you know, his impending return uh, kind of looming in the back of my mind if I'm Kyle Allen. So he has not been around. They can tell us they don't want him to stand up on his feet. There, there are a bunch of ways to get him off his feet if they wanted. Greg Olson was there every game last year with his foot injury. So I'm not buying that from, from the team. But I think it comes down to confidence. If you remove him, you allow this guy, Kyle Allen, to flourish without thinking about, Cam Newton in the back of his mind, seeing him on the sideline, I'm coming back. That's a looming presence uh, for a guy who's really just trying to make a name for himself, go out there and play football. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to put good film out there to be a a quarterback in the NFL. Maybe it's here, maybe it's somewhere else. I mean, they can essentially bring him back until 2022 for nothing. So, I mean. And and I would. Sure, why not? Why wouldn't you? Because as much as we're talking about Cam right now, like what we've seen out of Kyle Allen, I don't, I don't, you know, if if in two years it's time or what, however this plays out with Cam, I am not opposed to Kyle Allen continuing to grow and be, you know, and I don't want to say the quarterback of the future. He, I don't, he's not the heir apparent or anything like that. But if he's the next guy in the on deck circle that gets a crack, I'm not I'm not mad at that. You just need side. a winner. Jake Delhomme was a winner. Jake Delhomme was not a stud starting quarterback in the NFL. The timing worked out perfectly from him. I mean, uh, he comes from the Saints, and he's behind Rodney Pete, and Rodney's getting old. And he comes in here, and he latches on with a great wide receiver, a couple good wide receivers, a great running game, and a defense that was lights out. So now he's – I mean, he's a legend. He's permanently on the Bank of America Stadium. So – if we're going to do that comparison, I mean, that's still a little far-fetched. He's, you know, such a small sample size. But Jake DeLome also was in Kyle's position. He wasn't a starting quarterback. He just became one. And I think Kyle can do the same thing. And, yeah. and that's – that's I look at Kyle and, and like what I see – or like what I've seen out of him and going forward. But there's there's an important stat that, that, that I, I looked up 
and it's important because I looked it up. Um, <laughs> Colin on this train has trailed for six minutes as an NFL quarterback, never in the second half. His resume is not done. What what he is capable of, we do not know. So this idea that you're going to loft a guy that has that has never trailed in the second half of an NFL game, you're going to loft him over an MVP because he looked good against the Bucks. Think no. No, I'm sorry. That's not the way this works. It's not the way that it should work. So I'm still, I still like Kyle as a young guy, but we have not seen enough for me to say this guy's ready to go and lead this team, you know, into the playoffs or into the into the the depths of the NFL season. To me, it feels a lot like, and I think uh, people on the internet, and that's the best place to read stuff, has has have made this comparison a little bit, but I think that it's it does hold true. The 2015 Denver Broncos is that you had a quarterback, Peyton Manning, who was battling injuries throughout the season, and the team was winning in spite of him. It's a little bit different this year mm-hmm. because the Panthers obviously were 0-2, but uh, they they put him, on the, put him on the sidelines with an injury, let him sit out a few games, let him get completely healthy, and Brock Osweiler came in and played well enough to win, and they, I think they were 4-0, 5-0, and then all of a sudden Peyton Manning was – was healthy and ready to go, and they were both practicing next to each other. And they had Brock Osweiler start. He threw a fumble, or he threw an interception that bounced off of somebody's helmet, and they pulled him and put in Peyton Manning. And then all of a sudden, we know what happened in 2015. Like this, I, I almost feel like we are going to get to a point later on in the season, and we could play this back later when we get to this point where they're both practicing, where they're both healthy, and maybe Kyle Allen does get the nod, and then is just yanked for cam and then it kind of moves on for the rest of maybe it's going to take something like that in order to make this move i'm not saying that it will but it i could see a scenario where he is because let's be honest if they go to san francisco and win okay they're not going to lose to tennessee at home i mean this defense is going to eat uh Tannehill or mariota or whoever is back mm-hmm. there for brunch so at that point you're six and oh with kit with kyle allen you're six and two you've won six games straight I don't know. I could see a scenario where that where they say, "Hey, we're going to keep on rolling with Kyle. Cam is is healthy. He's he's practicing, and when he's ready, we're going to put him in." And then yeah. something happens. Cam comes in, and then that's how the rest of the season. I, I think PR wise, they will never tell you Cam is one hundred percent until they're getting ready to play him. Yeah. So if they're going to go with Kyle for whatever reason. Optics wise, they're going to say that Cam is still going through the process. That's going to be the the company line, and that's what they're going to stick to. If they say Cam is one hundred percent and they're going with Kyle, you've literally almost given up on Cam Newton. For me, that's the way I'm going to perceive it. You're, I, I, that's the way I'm going to look at it's it. Fair. I feel bad for Kyle Allen also in this situation because I think his leash is shorter than we believe. Even with all the wins, I think there is a small piece of Ron Rivera and Marty Herney and all those guys down there that inevitably he's going to falter. He's going to have a bad day. You're going to see some interceptions. He's going to get sacked. I mean, I hope it's not against San Francisco as a really good defense. But as soon as that happens, I think all the air comes out of this discussion again. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we forgot. Yeah, he's a he's a backup and we do have a, a superstar. I hate it for him. 
because he's in a tough position where he really can't win. He's facing Cam Newton, but he's also facing what happens to everybody in the NFL. You have a bad day, so he's going to have a bad day. His bad day, unfortunately, is going to cost him everything that he's built, and he's done such a good job leading this football team at quarterback. Yeah, They're not going to go 14-0 with him as quarterback, so they're going to have an opportunity right. in all likelihood to make that change. I will say that – Probably against Atlanta. We do <laughs> – <we do, laughs> We do need Cam to be better than what we saw out of the first two weeks. Like, I think Kyle Allen is better than 2019 Cam if you just going by what we've seen. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned it a, a little bit about how Kyle, you know, brought something after those first two weeks. I think when you have young wide receivers and, and, and Cam's throwing was so inconsistent between the shoulder and the mm-hmm. foot. And I think when you're a young guy and, and Allen, they've got a better idea when it's coming out, where it's coming out. I think for, for younger receivers, that may actually have been easier for them right now. Well, he, he, he throws guys open. Kyle Allen will throw a guy open. So he's throwing to windows, his own timing. Those receivers, you're right, Colin, they're young. So they their wide receiver coaches, hey, it's 15 yards, it's in, that ball's going to be on top of you. Well, sometimes we've seen Cam throw to open receivers. He, I mean, he's strong enough, and he's, uh, you know, he, he's going to wait and holds it a little longer than Kyle Allen has. He's going to fire it to an open man instead of a, a potential, you know, a window. He's not throwing in windows. He's throwing it to open guys, and that's the difference. We've seen just more consistency. We've seen better timing. Uh, DJ Morris kind of flourished, and he's not afraid. Neither neither one of the quarterbacks is afraid to use Christian McCaffrey and dump it down and, no. and eat off 22. So um, it's it's. Man, it's a big discussion. I think, you know, for me, it's still Cam Newton. It's not going to go away. And if Kyle Allen continues to play better, uh, he puts more and more pressure on that front office. I, I really feel like if you're if you're pro Kyle, Kyle Allen and you're anti this conversation right now, I think this weekend is going to be a real litmus test for him. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the best defense he will face mm-hmm. by a by leaps mm-hmm. and bounds. I mean, like, when you, when you look at their defense, and I, I think that they're – I mean – they're they're beatable. They're not the best defense in the world. You know, it's not the '85 Bears, but that's a. I mean, that front four is scary. So I, I think that he is going to he's going to be under pressure. He's gonna he's gonna get hit, and if he loses the ball, if he lets that pressure affect him and, and throws interceptions, I think this conversation is going to be a lot harder for Ron Rivera and for the for the kind of what he has to do versus what he can do. Right now, he can say, well, we're going to keep rolling with Kyle Allen. But if Kyle Allen goes out there and throws two interceptions and they lose by 20, it, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot more pressure on not only Ron Rivera, but on Cam Newton himself to get out there and practice. And I'll tell you, we were at practice today, and Cam seemed like himself. I mean, he was out there. I mean, obviously, he wasn't throwing the ball, but he was doing work on the side. But he was joking around. He was asking the reporters who had the most followers on Twitter, uh, <laughs> making fun of Joe. Uh, it's like he was he was, Cam, he was Cam. And I think a lot of times when you don't see somebody with that big of a personality, you can just assume. I do it all the time. Remember, we talked about this on the show, right? The dishwasher fight, that you just assume that – He's mad that he's in a bad mood mm-hmm. that he's upset with what, how the team is handling things because you haven't heard him come out and say I'm not mad even though he did kind of say it in that YouTube clip I think that once we get further away from this I wonder how big of a deal this will be when we get to week 16 week 17 when Cam if Cam Newton has been the starter for eight weeks I wonder if we're gonna look back on this conversation and be like oh what, what? 
That was that was a pretty dumb three weeks. I think we're trending that direction. I think we're going to get to a point where we all have a good laugh. And remember, you know, Kyle Allen, they, they wanted to swap him out for, for Cam. And um, I think what you have is a good backup, and that's been a problem that we've had. And yep. that's just great. And I think Kyle is great with that. Everybody wants to be a starter. Hell, I wanted to be a starter. Um, but I was realistic enough to know that I didn't have the technique that Mike Rucker had and I was never going to be the, the athlete that Julius <laughs> Peppers was. But I, I could do my thing, right? Give me an opportunity. Give me a shot. Could I go in there for a small sample size and put up numbers? I think so. I mean, I'm okay with saying go look at per-snap production when I was in the football game. Yep. I, I can play, right? I was able to play. Was I the long-term defensive end, left tackle, like Mike Rucker or Pepper, like get him out of here, I'm the guy now? That's crazy. Was there a moment in 03 where you could feel it switch over, or did it just happen like like week one when Jake comes back to the locker room? It's just like, oh, well, this is his team now. No, it wasn't week one. And I think the game most people point to is like the, the overtime game week two in Tampa when, uh, you know, we block all those kicks yep. and, and win that one. It wasn't even that game. I think when we, I think it was week five, we go to indianapolis and take on peyton manning five and oh i think we're undefeated too and we beat that team with uh edrin james and marvin harrison and that group and we're like like what are we doing right now like are we serious <laughs> so i think we're all too young and dumb and it was a bunch of guys on their second and third team and kind of throwaways and john fox kind of molded together so yeah i i point to that game i think that was a turning point where we said hey man we're gonna give this a shot like can we end up in houston um but for most people i think they remember uh, you know when they do the highlights it's tampa and beating the they were the champs last year beating them at their place and blocking all those kicks to say yeah we're on our way but jake was just fun to come in and save us uh you know in that that first game against the jags our old defense coordinator um over there jack del rio so it, for me the colts that made a big difference as peyton manning was rolling yeah uh i i just want to jump on to what colin said earlier that uh, maybe having a few weeks off for Cam Newton is not the worst thing in the world. As we get to later on in the season and the playoffs, I want to I want to back that statement and have it said with my voice so that we can <laughs> cut this out on Twitter and put it out there. Josh Klein says this. You're just so special. That's I, right. I hope you know That's that. That's how he wins all the podcasting awards. He takes all of our good points right. and then makes it sound like he said them. Bestpodcaster.com. <laughs> and then only one person gets to vote, and it's Josh Klein. That's right. That's how it works. The overall national narrative and all this, what kind of a role does it play, and how does it fuel all of this? Another quarterback that, I mean, that's what, 31 or 32 of those guys? Just name another quarterback that people dislike. Just just because. I mean, you might like Tom Brady because you're just, you know, he's all good looking and married a supermodel, like in winning Super Bowls. You might dislike him for that. People like dislike Cam for being Cam, like his personality and the way he dressed. Like, what does that have to do with, with football? He has on the same uniform as everybody else on Sunday. So why is everybody concerned with him at the microphone in the podium? And I think if you go and you really look at the guys that are doubting whether he should be – the leader of this football team and quarterbacking this football team, it'll go hand in hand with the critics of his clothes and riding a bike to practice and some of his, you know, the, the things he does with the first down um, celebrations. They, they are going to be the same guys. So you don't 
doubt his ability, what you are saying is that you're just tired of seeing him. You'd rather see somebody else than have a former MVP run this football team and give the Panthers the best chance of winning the Super Bowl. Well, if you're going to be extra, you got to deliver extra. And through the majority of his career, he's been able to do that. But the second he quit, then all of a sudden that extra stuff just becomes obnoxious. It just becomes, you know, I don't want to deal with that because you're not producing the same way. How much does the, the national narrative contribute? I think it's huge because I think more often than not what happens is you get a narrative. You still see it. Al's team still serves uh, as one of the bases for the longest-standing Panther narratives, which is this is a defense-first team. Yeah. This is a team that gets after you at the front of that defense. That has existed since 96 with, with, with Green and Lathan and those guys. It got carried through to 03, and it and it's still – you will still hear national people say the same thing, and it's because you get a narrative, and that's your narrative. And until you make it change, and that means winning a title or blowing it in dramatic fashion, until you – something happens – that's going to be your narrative, and it can last ten plus years in, in this league. And I look at Cam's, you know, entire narrative—the fake smile—that was all pre-draft stuff. Is he going to be able to make it? People were questioning whether or not he's going to be able to make it, whether or not he played quarterback the correct way. But still, to this day, all of these analysts still have trouble quantifying just how good Cam is because he is a unique talent. He yeah. is a unicorn. He does run the ball and throw the ball in ways that we have never seen before. And yet they can't seem to wrap their head around that because it doesn't fit into the nice little box of this is the way Johnny Unitas or a Manning brother plays the quarterback position. I, I look at Cam and I feel like he inherited what was left of the Donovan McNabb conversations as, as his narrative. Whereas you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, national champion, right? College football goes down to Houston and is lighting things up. People are talking about him in the MVP conversation. You don't even know that the young man is black. I mean, yep. you, you just don't. He's just a quarterback. But because Cam was offering something different, be it the clothing, be it the, you know, the eccentric style, or more likely the fact is that he ran the ball and threw the ball. And a quarterback's not supposed to run the ball like that because a quarterback's supposed to stand in the pocket and throw the ball because it's really unfair. It's really unfair <laughs> when you have a 265-pounder that'll look right at your linebacker and say, I'm 50 pounds bigger than you. Come and get some. I'm going to get me a first down. And that's what this dude did for eight stinking years. And they just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. It's just been bad. They don't they don't know how to categorize them and it's uh they can't it's you're right. It's not a black quarterback. It's it's not a running quarterback. I think the problem is he's just he's different. He's jumped outside of the box. And so many people want to squeeze him back in there. He refuses to do it. And I think that's part of it because he won't conform. He won't wear, you know, bring two suits to the game. So when they lose, he has on a blue uh, suit and an Oxford and a tie. You know, he won't do that. So I think because he rages against conventional wisdom and he's going to do an interview where he's, you know, having some wine and he has a cigar, it's people like, why – you know, why won't you just do what we need you to do? Why won't you entertain us in the way we want you to entertain us and not the way you want to be? So it's always going to be his deal. I think he, he, he understands that. He's okay with it. But it's still not going to change, uh, you know, the narrative that's out there. And I, I just want to say the other thing, too, is we all know, and everybody that's here knows, Cam loves kids. 
Can't, he loves kids way more than adults, and I don't necessarily blame him, particularly the way kids treat him versus the way adults Absolutely. treat him. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but we know, and, and we've seen because remember, when he started handing out footballs at the stadium, that was Cam being selfish. Yeah. But remember, he took one from, I forget, Funchess or one of, the, one of the receivers that have come and gone since then, and, he, and they're all oh, look at Cam, making it all about him. Today, that stands as one of the best traditions this organization has, yeah. and he gets zero credit, mm-hmm. but he got blamed for it on the front end. Yeah, no, I, I think that just just like you said, like I think that guys like Deshaun Watson, they they are able to be who they are now because of Cam Newton. Because Cam Newton opened the door for them. Obviously he was not the first running quarterback, he's certainly not the first black quarterback, but he he made it okay to be a different type of quarterback and make it the norm now. I mean Lamar Jack you look yeah. at like the most successful quarterbacks out non Brady category are running quarter are are quarterbacks that look and play like Cam. That's right. And they look to me. I I watch these guys. I watch guys like Lamar Jackson. I watch guys like Deshaun Watson. I watch even Baker Mayfield. Uh, you look at them, and it's like, well, that just looks like Cam did seven years ago. Like, but now he's a different quarterback. He's just older. He's plays a different style game. He's had injuries. They piled up. But that that to me is it will unfortunately will not be his legacy. But it probably should be that he was. He changed the way that you can be a quarterback. I mean, they're they're now seeking guys with that skill set. Look at Kyler Murray. You talked about Baker Mayfield. These guys won that spread option. Uh, that that play wasn't even a big deal until Cam Newton came yep. came about. Donovan McNabb wasn't doing it. If you look at, I guess, one of the most explosive running quarterbacks, and Michael Vick. He wasn't doing that at Virginia Tech. He wasn't doing that with the Atlanta Falcons and Warwick Dunn. There was no zone read back there. And he would take off because it dictated, you know, the, the pressure dictated to take off. But they have scripted quarterback runs because they had a 255-pound guy that can get it done. So he has changed it. He's not going to get credit for it. But you draft Kyler Murray number one overall because he brings that mix of what Cam Newton does, just in a different body, obviously. To your point, Josh. The most different. The most <laughs> different body. He looks so tiny. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it was when Cam was getting drafted. They're debating whether or not he could he could even play. Oh, you can't last in the NFL at 6'5", 255 pounds playing quarterback the way he does. Now you fast forward and you mentioned Jackson, um, Murray, May- Mayfield. All these guys they come in the league. Nobody's asking whether or not these guys are going to be able to last in this league. Mm-hmm. And they're you know Murray's hundred pounds less than Cam. Yeah, and a foot shorter. Sorry. But he does have a grown helmet on. This is a full, it's a full, <laughs> full grown man helmet on, though. Oh, any final cam, Kyle? Thoughts? No, nah, we'll just talk about it for the next three years. It'll be fine. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So last show we did award season. So we're gonna add an award this week. Who's been the most impressive understudy to you guys? Uh, I'll. I mean, I'll jump in and say Ross Cockrell. I think the way that he has played has not only been. I think that he has – I'm not going to say better than Dante Jackson, but I think that when you're an opposing quarterback, whether it was Deshaun Watson, whether it was uh, um, who they just play, Gardner Minshew, whether it was Jameis, you look at James Bradbury and you say, well, I can't – I'm not going to throw it over here. Here's a backup. I gotta, I'm got. i going to throw it at this guy a ton, and we're going to win. And Ross Cockrell did not allow that to happen. He, he, to me, is a big reason why this defense has been so good is because I, I think that – he obviously he made plays when they were out there. He made the interceptions, but I, I, you he has among corners 
who have actually among all players who have been targeted more than 30 times, he has the lowest quarterback rating allowed in the entire league. And I think that he has been targeted so many times because they didn't want to throw at Bradbury. Yes, Winston threw it 54 times in London, but they were throwing at him a lot, and he made it so that there wasn't a guy open, made that quarterback hold it a little bit longer, pass rush gets there. That's that's how a defense is supposed to work, is when you take away not just the first option, but the second read, that's when sacks happen to me. Yeah, sacks, you know, they go hand in hand with that coverage on the back end. You give us a little extra time. Those offensive linemen are really, really good. And uh, if you can get them on a second move and some of the effort that we see from our front, um, they have to give credit to the guys on the back end. And I agree, Ross Cockrell is a good one. Um, You know, my guy would be Shaq Thompson just because – He's replacing a guy that was the standard at at linebacker at that position in Thomas Davis, who's now out in L.A. uh, for so very long. We drafted him, and I feel like everybody was a little disappointed with uh, the way he performed here so far in his career. And not only has he, you know, proved everyone wrong, but, man, he's, what, top five before this bye week in in tackles? uh, I think he's, like, trailing top 20 now, even with a game Yeah, missing a game. So – He's just done a great job, and his skill set is so unique. It really is at linebacker. Um, you know, he can cover, you know, tight ends and, and maybe in the slot. Um, he's able to, you know, stuff the run when he has to. That speed is great. Um, but what I've seen this year is his ability to get sacks. He's a great pass rusher. He's a great blitzer, and they they needed that. They used that, and they are in this multiple front now, and Shaq Thompson's a really big reason of why they can dial up some of these crazy blitzes that you see uh, from Coach Washington and, and Ron Rivera. So it's for me, it's Shaq Thompson, what he's been able to do, stepping into some big shoes left mm-hmm. by Thomas Davis. He's had his, he's going to have his biggest test this weekend, too, against George yeah. Kittle. So I, I'll be really interested to see how <laughs> – how they're able to deal with somebody who is essentially the best tight end in the league. I mean, depending on how you view some other guys, but I, I think he's right. He's either top two or top th- top one. So in my mind, how you deal with him and whether you can just leave Shaq Thompson on him, at, like if you can do that, that's a huge luxury. I mean, Ron Rivera used that word specifically today. It's a luxury to have a guy like Shaq Thompson when you're facing a tight end like George Kittle. So I'll, I'll be very interested to watch that matchup. I mean, I guess we're, we're excluding Kyle Allen, right, from this conversation? Well, let's talk for 30 more minutes about yeah, Kyle Allen. <laughs> I actually think he's earned the right to start. Well, I, I mean, we can joke about it, but the fact is if, if Will Greer was the quarterback of the team, I don't think we're sitting here having this conversation. Like Kyle Allen has been better than just the next guy. Absolutely. Um, but, but excluding uh, having more conversation about the quarterbacks, I, I think Vernon Butler has been – uh, a pleasant surprise in terms of making big plays at, at, at opportune times. I mean, it's, it's almost surprising to even see him out there at those moments, let alone yeah. making those plays. Yeah, I had my doubts. I, I really thought he was going to be off this roster. He, yeah. he is just really – I mean, he had been a disappointment. And I think he's changed his body around a little bit, and he's seen that window, that opportunity with this football team missing KK Short out for the year. And, uh, you know, it's not about the, the production every snap. And I thought he's, he, you know, he's done a good job there. But when this team needed somebody to make a play, I think the last person we think of is Vernon Butler. And to have a couple, you know, sacks back-to-back in one game and knock the ball out, get the ball out twice, like he's done a great job. I'm, I'm really excited that he uh, is starting to build some confidence for this defense. And, Al, you, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think defensive line is a position that it does take, 
guys a little bit more time. Not 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 excusing everything, you know, Vernon's production at this point, but it is a position that takes time. You have to get stronger to play, you know. Yeah, you don't realize it. When you come out of college at 21-year-old, you, you know, you're strong. You're weight room strong, but you're playing against grown men, 30-year-olds that have mortgages and kids. It's a different – it's a different – it's that old man strength. You got to buy costumes. Yeah, you got that mortgage strength. Yeah, that responsibilities make you a little stronger, you know. You're a little hungry when you have to Mama wants to give out the full-size candy bars <laughs> this year right. for Halloween. We have, sorry, young so, buck. Look, it's, it's a difference, and it was for me, you know, I – you know, I was a weight room guy, so I was pretty strong. And then you start taking on, you know, I was a rookie down with Tony Baselli, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, how, you know, how is he that much stronger than the college guys? But it is a huge difference, and um, things move fast, especially the closer you get to the ball, things move a lot quicker. For me, on an outside guy, like you can see things and process uh, the protections and the run schemes a little uh, longer. But inside, man, those guards in that center, they're by you in a heartbeat. And that's what I saw early in his career where the game had not slowed down enough for him to be in great position, utilize his technique, and make a play. Now I see him, he understands what it be. He can hear the communication behind him. He can adjust his body. He's using his hands in that big frame. He's just he's he's grown, and that's what you want. It takes two or three years, but right now we want things Fast. We want guys to come straight out of the draft, straight in the starting lineup, and everybody just can't be Brian Bur- Burns. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, that's true. laughs> I, I think that you're looking at a guy who is is earning his way into a second contract. Not no not a huge contract, mind For you. For sure, but he is he is especially when you look at this defensive line heading into next year. There's not a lot of. I mean, McCoy, Butler, Abada. Uh, that that there. Everybody's kind of like running mm-hmm. out. Irvin Poe. Addison, yeah, Poe, yeah. po, like all, like there, there are not a lot of guys under contract for 2020. So I, I think that when you look at Vernon Butler, he can be a de- he's showing that he can be a depth piece, and that I think is incredibly important. And I've been saying it for weeks or for for a while now. If you take the former first round pick Vernon Butler, if you take that caveat out, he's playing a lot better. But That's if it. you just look at him as an NFL player, he's playing re- he's playing well this year but he's been fine as a def depth rotation piece it's when you start to look at him and say well why hasn't he been star latulale and earning this incredible contract and and being one of the best run stuffers in the league that's when you start to get disappointed yeah we have to manage our expectations i think we have to do that from the top to the bottom with those first round picks and you know other guys i mean I keep going to go right back to him, Kyle Allen, right? So you look at him, he's just a backup. Well, he hasn't been just a backup. He's been really good. Yep. He doesn't have that first round behind his name and all those things. And I'm a guy that was fell into that same trap as an undrafted free agent rookie, right? No combine. Like, what can you be? Where is your ceiling? Well, wherever I want it to be. I'm going to get out here and give it everything I have. And you see a guy like Vernon Butler just develop. Guys develop at different rates, and and he's done that along with Shaq Thompson. I think they were back to back drafts. Those two guys really arrived here. This team, and I don't, I don't follow other teams as closely as I obviously I follow the Panthers. I'm in there every day, so it's like, but you don't get to see. I am curious whether other rosters and other guy, other contributors on teams have this many late round and undrafted guys. Cause you look at guys that were basically plucked off the scrap heap. I mean, Kyle Allen didn't have a job last year. Mm-hmm. He's playing obviously a huge role. Greg Van Roten started, played every snap last year. He's playing the CFL was thinking about like abandoning ship on playing football in general. It, these guys that are making, making an impact, uh, 
uh, I, I'm just curious whether that is a tenant of Marty Herney and Ron Rivera or whether that's all across the league. I know there are a lot of these guys all across the league, but maybe not in these huge impact positions. Right. I think it's a combination of both, and I'll tell you why. And I'm going to go back to my time. I just said that our team was a bunch of what we thought of as throwaway guys, right? Second chance guys, last chance guys that Marty Herney dug deep and just found and put together and assembled. Um, and the difference now is Ron Rivera. So you think about that 85 Bears team, you don't think about Ron Rivera. You know he was there. So he's also a guy who was playing a similar role to a lot of the guys that he brings in and gives opportunities. I think what he does is says, if you can play, we'll play you. I don't care if you're a former first-round pick. And uh, when you have that, it really – empowers guys it really influences them to give it their all i mean who would have thought fa obata was going to be heavy in this d-line rotation he's he's changed his body he must have put on 20 pounds to do everything they're asking him to do so you have a gm that's backed by a coach that have similar uh formulas and what they think a football player could be made of and i think the biggest ingredient guy that can make plays doesn't matter what round you were drafted in because some guys weren't drafted Let's talk about the trade deadline. Can we expect some action from the Panthers? I think they're going to trade for Emmanuel Sanders. What? Wait, what? Breaking, Breaking news. news. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what happens. Uh, sometimes you read these reports where they're like, Panthers are expected to be in the wide receiver market, along with like a gang of other teams. And it's like, well, sure. I mean, it's like, I mean, if I'm looking for a car and I'm looking on Craigslist and there's an ad for a Tesla, I'm going to click on it, but it doesn't mean I'm going to buy it. Like, yeah. that means I'm in the market. Doesn't mean I'm necessarily in the market for a Tesla, but <laughs> I'll see how I'll kick the tires on it, literally. Um, but I think that, yeah, no, I, I think that they would be buyers if they're anything. I, I think they're kind of, at this point, I feel like there's not a whole, I mean, there are holes, obviously, at depth pieces. But to me, they, they're they not so glaringly in need of something like San Francisco was, mm-hmm. like New England was, mm-hmm. like, like uh, um even like L.A. was that they, I guess they traded one corner for another. But I, they're not glaringly like, oh, well, if this team is a linebacker away, you know, that that to me is is when you are a huge buyer at the deadline. I think Marty's going to make his calls. I think he's going to be talking to people. And if he feels like there's good value, he's going to go out and get it. But I don't think they're out there chasing one specific position. If you think Cam is going to come back healthy or Whatever, you know, come come back and beat Cam Newton again. I think they should be buyers at this point because I think that you, you, this, is, this is a window. Your window is open. That's what teams are making their trades for. The Rams, those guys, they're making the trade because they view their window as open. This team is right now just on the outside looking in at the NFC, you know, playoff picture. I if they were going to go get something, I would I would want a safety. That's what I would. That's still an area I feel like they they could shore up. Um, but that's pie in the sky. Carl Joseph is a name, but he's played well for Oakland. But he was you know predated to Mayock and Gruden, so maybe he's not um, part of their long term picture. I don't have good names for you, but I would think that they should be looking. They should at least be actively courting um courting offers at this point i think we you look at this time of year it boils down to injuries i mean you talk about la and the rams i mean have a guy go down out for the year they make a trade they have to get better at secondary the other buyer in that scenario was the philadelphia eagles and for the Jalen Ramsey, and it's because they had a, a just dismantled secondary uh, injury. So when I heard the news, I'm thinking, where's the injury at wide receiver? Can't be Chris Hogan. 
can't be Chris Hogan. I mean, he wasn't doing anything when he was was healthy. I mean, he was there. Well, he did more than I thought he was going to, yeah. just to be fair. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he caught a ball. I think when you're heavy in the market, it's because you have some type of deficiency, and they don't, in my opinion, at wide receiver. You bring Emmanuel Sanders in, uh, where, where are you going to put him? I think you push everybody down in that group if you bring him in because he's a veteran. He's a great route runner. Um, he's a really shifty guy. And I think you have that on the roster already, and, and you did not have a need. I think what you do is maybe squeeze Jarius right out, and I like the role he plays. He's going to be the first down guy. He's going to get to the sticks. He's going to move the chain. So I just, you know, I think you're always looking. And you're always yep. a buyer, and always I think looking. Marty's looking. You Their job is literally to make sure this defense or this roster is as strong as it can possibly be. So if there's a guy out there, you kick the tires. You see, yep. you know, see what what they you know, might be looking for to see if you can make your roster better. It wouldn't hurt to have them in here, but I don't think it was a need. And I do think we're moving toward a, to a time when the NFL, like we're seeing more of this. This oh, isn't yeah. gonna this this isn't gonna go away. I mean, for a long time, you didn't see, like you said, it, it, only in the case of injuries would you look at doing trades. And I do think that we're gonna continue to to see more of these. But if you're right, if you don't have a glaring hole, you don't have to just make a move for, for the sake of making a move. For sure. Now, I do think if they are going to go out and get somebody, it's going to be offensive line, defensive line. You just can't have enough depth up there. I mean, you look at who they have right now. They have essentially eight guys that I think they feel comfortable with on the offensive line. I'm not sure that's enough. I mean, they're they're starting a six-round rookie at, at left tackle. And so uh, that to me is like if they were going to go out and get somebody – it might be, and I think if they go out and get especially a tackle, I think that kind of tells you where Greg Little's at from a concussion standpoint. Mm-hmm. So uh, that might be somewhere where they might go out and address. But I have a feeling those that are hoping for Trent Williams or – like nah. if you've heard of him, he's probably not coming in on trade no. deadline. <laughs> but if you – but if it – but it can still be somebody that helps you. You know, they they make these moves and they trade for guys like Kevon Seymour who ends up, you know, having having a role on the team – not necessarily somebody that is going to move the needle for you, but is somebody that can come in and play snaps and can and can be a professional NFL player. And that's the kind of guy that I think they might go out and get uh, over the course of the next week. And of course, they did win the Colin Jones trade. I mean, they won that handily now, in Hell hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Lee? Not so much. Not as much. <laughs> not, not the best trade, but... Let's look ahead to San Francisco. First of all, how... How realistically good is this team? I mean, I think you're going to go look at you know nobody, nobody wants to touch no, that. Right? I was, yeah, I guess, yeah, I was, I'm fully I'm full on concerned. Yeah. I'm just telling you, I'm full on concerned about Sunday. I think a lot of people now are starting to you know after six seven weeks say who have they played and you look at the teams that they've really beaten up on. I mean, they don't have any the winning records. I mean, they're really the the bottom third of the NFL. Um, so you're trying to figure out are they really good? Is it, have they played anybody yet? Look, it's the NFL. You beat the people in front of you. They've done that. They've done it convincingly. And I think this is a good football team with four former first-rounders on that defensive front. Richard Sherman's back there patrolling in the secondary. They're not the 85 Bears, like Josh said. But um, you, you're talking about a guy like Dennis Daly uh, at left tackle and, and uh, Trey uh, Thomas coming off of a, you know uh, injury at the, at the guard. I mean, they're, they're – 
they're going to get after this this offense and this offensive line. They're going to present uh, some Trey Thomas. He played. I played with them in Philly. Trey Turner. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know they they're going to get after this line, and you expect that every week. But uh, they don't have one guy you need to kind of slide to. There are four studs on that that defensive line and more that they can rotate in there. So this is going to present the biggest challenge, not only for the offensive line, but again Kyle Allen and how he reacts to some of the pressure he's going to be faced with. Yeah, because there is going to be pressure. You look at Nick Bosa. So I, I had Jeez. up until like a week ago, I was pretty much convinced that Brian Burns was the leader for defensive rookie of the year. Whenever people would throw Bosa out, I was like, whatever, high ra- high draft pick, doesn't make that big. Of- and then I watched a little bit of that Redskins game. And, bro, he gets after the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. It is insane. So I found I, I found this stat. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, NFL matchup on ESPN tweeted out. Uh, Nick Bosa – Number of disruptions for pass rush snap. Disruption is a QB pressure, a hurry, or a sack. He is disrupting the quarterback on 24% of the snaps. That is almost a quarter. I'm not a mathematician, but that's a lot. That's more than Aaron Donald. It's more than Robert Quinn. It's more than Shaq Barrett. It's more than it's more than everybody else in the league. And this guy's a rookie. And like it, it is they're they're up front. Their defense, their defensive line is fearsome. That to me is where they are going to win. If they can force Kyle Allen to make the mistakes that theoretically an undrafted free agent backup quarterback should be making, that's where the 49ers are going to win. Yeah, that that front is is ferocious. And I mean, if you're going to do a comparison with uh, all the sacks, and I think they're one, two in the league, at least before this weekend in, in sacks, the. You know, the Panthers get sacks, and Brian Burns, that comparison, direct comparison to Nick Bosa, he gets sacks, he gets quarterbacks on the ground, they strip, fumble, uh, but Nick Bosa is dominating guys, and that's the difference. Uh, I don't know that you can say that by Burns when you watch him pass rush. He's beating guys, but Nick Bosa is doing it in so many ways. It's the speed, it's the power, it's the speed and the power, and uh, Eric Armstead and the rest of those guys, I mean, they are really physical, and it's going to be um, you know, the, the biggest challenge maybe they'll see all year. If they can overcome it, this will I mean, this is a lot, but that defense is real. I think this football team uh, with Kyle Shanahan is real, and they have some speed. Um, I think George Kittle is the best tight end, route running, uh, speed tight end. It presents a huge uh, matchup problem uh, for safeties, linebackers, whoever. So this is going to be a good game, and and I I circled this one a couple weeks ago. I think this is going to be one heck of a matchup. If Eric Reed tries to do one of those – knock you out of your boots on on George Kittle, he's going to miss that tackle, and then it's going to be yeah, trouble gonna, up yep. the seam. It's going to be gone. Not catching him. Yep. We've we've talked about the the, the, the defenses uh, for the San Francisco in the front. Uh, this whole defense, though, first down's allowed. Nine, ten, and ten the last three weeks. And so they've allowed nine first downs, ten first downs, and ten first downs. And granted, like you said, Al, they – they didn't exactly play, you know, the, the world's best, but they did play the at five Bears. That's the team that we're they, using for everything: <laughs> yeah. offense and defense, special teams. McMahon was like, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> that um, I, I'm just I'm really concerned about how this offense is is going to operate um, against this uh, this pass rush of San Francisco. Uh, points allowed: three, seven, zero. They've not allowed more than twenty points at all this season. Um, First downs, the most they've allowed all season. They've allowed one game where they've allowed more than 14 first downs. I mean, this is going to be hard to move the ball uh, for this offense. And I think that's why this is going to be the the biggest litmus test of, of Kyle Allen's career.
Yeah, and so we're going to talk about the defense. That's all we focused on, but we forgot about Breida and Coleman and the number one, well, maybe number two now with what Lamar Jackson is doing in, in Baltimore. But this running game is crazy. I mean, they're running the ball um, on everybody, and that just makes it harder uh, to stop the pass because they're going to run the play action off of that running game. Um, and it's just devastating. So it is a really good football team. They're well coached. They're disciplined. They're making plays. They're taking it away, not just getting sacks on defense, but the takeaways. So this, both sides of the ball, man, they, you know, they, they're going to have to come with it this week. And a head coach that's familiar too. Shanahan yep. was an offensive coordinator for the Falcons, and you know, back when they were actually doing things. Jimmy G fourteen and two as a starter though, so we're gonna give him, gotta give him those team wins. Gotta give him that credit. Yep. I guess. Yeah. Well, third, third down. And I know. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the the oldest yeah. stats, but third down, thirty percent for opponents against the San Francisco defense. Oh, I got a real good stat too. Uh, if we're throwing out stats, no team since nineteen eighty has allowed less than twenty four hundred passing yards. The Forty ers are on pace to allow like twenty one sixty four, which is Insane, and it's I get on pace is our favorite thing to talk about, but like uh, that's insane after it's the six analytics. weeks. Like it's uh, their their defense is is legitimately scary, and I get it. The Redskins are not good. The some of the other team, the Bengals that they played, some of their some of their opponents have not been good. Who's but all you can do, uh, the, Rams. The, Rams. Beat the Rams, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. they beat the Rams twenty to seven. They beat the Browns thirty one three. I just think that. This is one. I wonder if this is going to be one of those things where it was like the Panthers in 2015, where they were the worst 12 and 0 team of all time, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, but all they do is just keep on trucking and keep on winning. It's going to fuel them, yeah. And and that's what Richard Sherman is banking on. He's an old school guy. Everybody thinks the money motivates NFL players. It's the disrespect, right? Your pride, your manhood out there on the field is when that's challenged you step up so i think that's going to motivate this team that they're going to be disrespected and, and looked over all season and that's going to keep this team fueled for for the stretch 176 passing yards total <laughs> over the last three games against this defense is that true yeah Good 78 Lord. 48 and 50 Ugh, this yeah. this this defensive front gets after people. <laughs> you so have what, any so, more depressing stats over there? No, this hear? is why I'm full on worried. This is why I didn't want to lead because I knew I was going to start. Oh. So how do so how do you beat a team like this? They do turn you, the ball over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you beat. I think you beat them on defense. I think it's. I think you beat them 12, 12 10. You can't make mistakes. You can't make Joey Sly can't miss field goals. No. You can't get field goals blocked. You can't fumble the ball. Penalties, you can't throw interceptions. All those yep. things. I tell you what, you make Jimmy G beat you. Yep. Can't be Burita and Coleman. Uh, I think they are really good running backs. But I think if I'm looking at a, a weak point, a soft spot on that football team, maybe it's offensive line. So if mm-hmm. you can have the edge there with our pass rush and our ability to stop the run, um, then you stop that running game and you force uh, you know Jimmy G to go to his new weapon and, and try to see if he can connect with those wide receivers and Kittle, then you do a good job. But if you, you, you can't give up the run, that's football, that's defensive uh, scouting, one-on-one game planning, don't give up the run because that opens up a whole – Oh, bag of worms. So uh, you have to stop the run. And I think if we have an advantage at all in this game, it has to be our defensive line versus the 49ers offensive line. Who does do a good job? They run the ball well, but yeah. I think you can get after them. With two young quarterbacks, we talked about it with the, the Allen stat. I think whoever has the lead 
in, in this game. The, whoever's pass rush is more comfortable has got a huge advantage. So if somebody if you can get up early, get you a cheap score, get you something like that, get that that could go a long way, particularly against this young team. Uh, Gerald McCoy said something interesting today. He said that when you play a lot of teams that have like these two or three headed monsters, they have different style of backs. So you play against the Saints, they have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. So you see twenty two in the backfield, it's this style of run. You see forty one back there, you know it's gonna be but these guys, they all have a similar style of play. They just hey, you're tired, come on in. Yeah. They they just keep on rotating guys through. So it's not like you could say, okay, well, that like you don't adjust who you're trying to play for. It's just a matter of it's just a fresh, just fresh legs, which is terrifying for a running back. And uh, the Panthers also have a good running game, but they do kind of the complete opposite. One guy, <laughs> yeah, and one guy only. Yeah, that's right. And we've talked about Kittle. He is their he's their their leading receiver. He, he doubles as many targets as any wide receiver they've got on this roster. He is, you know, the biggest factor I think on the on the offense outside of stopping the run, and he's going to be the beneficiary if that if that play action game gets working. I also think just one more thing. I think that they really, they they almost they um, they tried to abandon the run a little bit last week, but they just turned. They got forced so many turnovers they kind of couldn't do it. But they need to just continually run the ball against this team because they don't give up a ton of yards on the ground, but they give up over four yards a carry. So you can, if you continue yep. to run, you can have success. So whether that means it's just Christian getting 48 carries back there or whether you rotate in Reggie, whether you get maybe Jordan Scarlett takes some carries, whether you do whatever you want to do with Curtis Samuel and all these other things, but you can continue, you can, you can gain ground on them. And I think that you can, if you wear down that front, Maybe you have a little bit more success with play. It all starts with the run. It's it's this is this is a game that Ron Rivera was like built for. Run the ball, don't turn it over, stop them on defense. But the game plan is already out there to stop Christian McCaffrey, right? We've seen Todd Bowles dial it up twice, and in football, is, nobody has an original thought. So you got to think that they've looked at that and said, I'll take my chances with Kyle Allen and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel uh, to beat us. And, and, you know, the Panthers have been successful when they've given Curtis Samuel a couple of those jet jet sweeps. It really spreads out that defense. It really holds those linebackers. That's going to help Christian McCaffrey. And they're going to need to be really creative on how they run the ball. It's not – I mean, you're not going to just run an outside zone, inside zone at this this front. They're going to be able to hold up at the point of attack. Al, when it comes to a bye week, it's it's cliche to say you get healthy and you self-scout. How much – like in this game for the the Panthers, how much of an advantage do you think this bye week actually – will be for them I mean it should give you an extra week to kind of game plan and look at this team and break it down find those weak points and and, and teams really do that they do self-scout they want to find out our what are our tendencies what has worked against us how has Todd Bowles been able to take away Christian McCaffrey when he's just you know just run roughshod over everybody else in the NFL so they'll take a look at what that is how that's worked and they'll find some weaknesses good coaches do that I would bet Bill Belichick never loses after a bye week you cannot give him two weeks to uh, have with your film and your team and try to take out um, you know your strongest suit and that's what he does every single week whatever you want to do he's not letting you do it he's going to force you to make somebody else beat you and I think this team um, has been successful, but not as successful when teams are determined to take out uh, Christian McCaffrey. I want to see, we're talking about Kittle, I want to see Greg Olson at tight end have another day. He has to control the middle of the field for this defense. 
Who's ready to play a game? Yeah. Our favorite. I get to to lead. I'm leading the game too, right? That's right, Josh. You are leading real or fake. Yes, that's right. The names on these are just spectacular. Real or fake? Question mark. Uh, So after we had the the fair catch. (laughs) Yeah, that's why. (laughs) Bestpodcaster.com. After the fair catch free kick that we saw in London, right? So... Everybody, as it was happening, everybody was like, oh, it's a fair catch free kick. What does that mean? Like, you just don't. I, I mean, did you know? Colin? I did. I, this sounds so bad. I was surprised that some people were caught off guard by it, to be honest with you. I've been waiting for, like, I'm like the guy that's, like, waiting for this moment. Like, there's going to be a point when they're going to punt, and you're going to be able to fair catch it and kick a field goal. Like, this is going to happen in a game, and it finally did. Well, the fact, it was crazy to me that. It was the easiest kick he was going to have, That too. they practiced all, they practiced this, and Joey mm-hmm. Sly was just like, yeah, I was ready. Like, I was. Uh, we practice it all the time. Coming. We're ready. Fair catch, free kick. They just kind of walked up to me and they well, were like, fair, fair catch, FCFC. Joey, and I was like, oh, okay. What's Joey got going on the rest of practice? You know, like, I made some field goals, made some extra points. I got some time. He's eh. kicking from 70. That's what he's doing in practice. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do when you're a kicker. You try to kick, you're trying to hit each goal post, right? Yes. Um, so what I'm going to do in this uh, segment, in this edition of real or fake question mark, I'm going to name you, or I'm going to name you, I'm going to read you Three rules from the NFL rule book, and you're going to tell me whether they're real or fake. Al, you probably have an advantage. Uh, have, oh, boy. Count on okay. It. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So the first one is kind of an overall team scenario. Uh, you may not know this, but it is it is an option for teams to forfeit a game. It hasn't happened in the NFL, but you could forfeit a game. If a team forfeits a game... The opponent is declared the winner, and they assign a score to that game. That's right. What would the score be if you forfeit the game? Colin can see literally see my laptop. This no, is a terrible I job. I cannot. I cannot. Okay, all right. I would. I would tell you. I would not. You know, impugn the real or fake question yeah, mark. Yeah, Use yeah, the name. Just, yeah. There we go. Um, 2-0. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Would um, you like to say two zero? I would like to say two zero. That's all what right. I was gonna say. Fourteen nothing. Wow! Give you two touchdowns. Mm, it is two to zero ah! when you forfeit a game. The final Small score goes in the books as two zero. Apparently, it can be used. Some there was like a very far fetched scenario where if you if you're tied in the first six tiebreaker scenarios and you're going into a game in week seventeen where you're playing against the team that you could be vying for that last playoff spot. Theoretically, there could be a situation where you might take a forfeit. So they would win two to nothing. Oh, and, and then, then, you'd win and on then you would win on score differential. <laughs> okay, I, now I'm rooting for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the new thing. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's like the Belichick thing well, that happened in, on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see that? Where he was? Yeah, where he he took a false start. Pe- was it false start? Yeah. Yeah, false start penalty, and the clock kept rolling. Just the guy knows the rule book. Automatic runoff. Yeah. It was like 15 years ago when he took he took a, a safety. So that he would kick off rather than punting out of the end zone in a situation too, and it like changed the. I mean, that yeah, it was against the Broncos lot, yeah. on Monday Night Football, I think. It's, well, speaking of safeties, okay. smart uh, um, this is a little known rule. Um, if a snap bounces off of the crossbar but not the goalpost, and is not touched by a defensive player before being picked up by the quarterback. It is considered a live ball. However, if the ball is punted or thrown and hits the crossbar, it's a safety. 
Is that real or fake? That has to be fake. Like, how can you uh, throw it and hit the crossbar? Like, well, if you punt it, so if you punt it and hit the crossbar, it's a safety. Or if you throw it and hit the crossbar, it's a safety. So I guess you could get it batted backwards in that scenario. Yeah. I'm going fake here. I, I'm just going fake. Sounds too much, too confusing for my. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded really confusing, and I was going to have you read it again, but I'm going to say real because it sounds so confusing. <laughs> Fake. It is fake. It is fake. Uh, anytime that the ball hits the crossbar, it is a safety uh, on a live, during a live play, during a non-kicking play. Is that, that part is accurate? That part is accurate. If you punt it into the crossbar, into your own crossbar, it's a safety. It's like over your head. Yes. That's <laughs> if you bicycle kick it backwards into the crossbar. So is it a rebound? Like, you know... You got a guy I, that backs up into the punter and he hits him in the back of the helmet and bounces through the crossbar. That's kind of. I mean, it's I going out anyway. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of. I think they're trying to like protect it from the situation that I fake that I yeah. that I faked, where it's like bounces off the crossbar and back into the back field oh, of play. Because, oh, but it's because it's technically it went out the back it's of the out. end zone. Yep, the goal right. So it has nothing to do with the crossbar. It has to do with the fact that it's, it's officially the end zone. Yeah. Okay, right. okay. But if you, but I mean, theoretically, so like. If you you could be a quarterback and you're doing like the like the uh, like the, thing the Dan Orlovsky run along kids, the out of bounds, what? you're running backwards and you're like you like jump out of bounds and you're like Jordan and you throw it like this <laughs> and you hit the crossbar safety safety that's a safety. I did not know that. Well, see there, there you, you go. go. We're teaching people on this podcast. We're learning all the things. One more and this one, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so. Is this real or fake? A team can score one point by causing a safety on an attempted extra point. So if I'm attempting an extra point and the ball somehow goes snapped over my head and it goes all the way into the opposing end zone and I'm tackled into the end zone or I hit the crossbar theoretically... Does that count for one point or two points as a safety or no points? I guess real or fake doesn't really apply. (laughs) (laughs) Zero, one, or two? Two. two. One. It is one. You can score one point. So you could theoretically be. Yeah, so you could theoretically be down. You could lose 100 to one. I mean, that would be you'd be giving up a lot of points on defense, but you could give up one. You could score one point by itself, which I never knew was a thing. Um, and I thought that was so you can't fun. you can't run it back, but you could if they are just completely inept. So I wonder if you so let's 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 try to think of a real situation where this would happen. Yeah, so yeah. you can so you could be running it back, and what happens if you're running it back and you fumble it? And they recover it on the five yard line, and then run backwards into the end zone, and you tackle them. That's a safety. Or if they bat it out of the back of the end zone, maybe that's a safety or a, a one point safety. Is the play dead the second the defense takes control? That'd be the on no, because you because you can return it, but you can't yeah. return it for a score though. Yeah, you can. You can have a Dante Jackson did it last year. An extra point or a field goal. An extra uh, point. Not sure you can return, but you can return a. Okay, so yeah, you could remember you Dante Jackson returned a two point conversion for two last year, 
But if it's a safety, that counts as one. This is incredibly confusing. Yeah, yeah because Great. I remember I was on that that field goal unit on the wing with John Casey. Um, and then I was on the field goal block team a bunch. I remember us blocking a, like an extra point. And it may have been that Tampa game. And uh, Dante Wesley picked it up. I think they blew it dead on an extra point. Yes, I think it, it, if, if you think block the a, kick, maybe. If you block the kick on an extra point, it's just dead. You can't scoop it and score. It's like you can't scoop and score or muff punt. It's just dead as soon as you recover it. So on a on a field goal, I think you can. Scoop yeah, you and definitely score. can yeah. scoop and score it. But on an extra point, I feel like you cannot return that. It's just dead. Well, it's, it's either a rule. To, that's that's definitely the old rule because it's the old Leon Lett thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. There was nothing to gain. By him chasing going to, by chasing that ball, leave it alone. Since 2016, they changed it. You can return a block extra point attempt for there two points, but if it's a safety, that's <laughs> one point. That's a one. That's a one. That's a one. That's a one. Uh, that's real. Now. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to know these these newfangled hey, rules. You did better than Al Riverone would have done yeah. on this. <laughs> I have no idea. Al, where can all the folks at home find you on the internets and social media? Uh, anywhere that they're broadcasting podcasts, I will probably be on somebody's <laughs> podcast. Uh, but I'll be, you know, ESPN Charlotte Monday mornings, 8 o'clock. I'll be breaking down uh, Panthers games and NFC South. Uh, I am the color analyst for the Charlotte 49er football team, IMG Learfield College. And uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter, at 96A Wallace. A lot. How's that Charlotte football team doing? Pretty good. They are struggling. Yeah, they're, right yeah, now. they're right. in a little okay. slide. They're they're, they're young. building a young program. Team, yeah, team. they're trying to build a program. New coach. They got a good coach. They do. He's really good. Good, yeah. good, good coach. Colin. At Colin CLT on Twitter. Joshua. Uh, you can find me at Josh Klein Rules on Twitter. Um, and at the Seafood Buffet. I would encourage <laughs> you to come by and say hi to me. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, any special notes you need to add? We got anything from anything exciting to add? Yeah, yeah I would. I would encourage everyone to stop listening to this podcast and listen to the Carolina Line yeah, with Al Wallace and Kevin Donnelly. Yeah. One of my personal favorite podcasts when I'm not listening to just myself. I only I like listen. I fast forward through everybody else talking on one day contract and just listen to myself. They get down in the trenches and the weeds a little bit too much sometimes on there. You know, just two old linemen. Just, yeah. <laughs> and we have a million stories. We could literally do this for the rest of our lives. We're going to get you some great insight, locker room stories and I'm all telling things you. we've been through. 23 years in football. Al, Al, told, Al told a story about um, how he ran one pass pattern in yeah. with the jag like some of the stories they're like my favorite part uh, al told told a hilarious story kevin told this story about how when he used to play with the uh the oilers or the titans yeah. and steve mcnair was a rookie and they put all the rookies into a pig pen and they had to they had to capture greased up pigs and steve mcnair walked in there picked up a greased pig with one hand threw it down on the ground and, and walked, walked back out. out. Like that that is just like drop the pig moment and I was like, "What is happening? This is the best podcast I've ever heard." It sounds Except crazy, one day but contract. it happens. It happens. Steve McNair one of my favorites. It's a shame All that it's great. a shame that because of the way things ended, I think it, it's it's why he doesn't get mentioned. Now. Yeah, I know. I want to hear more great stories like that. I'm going to go Tune listen in. to every single episode I haven't listened to yet. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Al Wallace, your one-day contract is up. Everyone else, we'll see you next week.